Welcome everyone to another exciting episode of Retro Encounter. I'm your host Josh Curry. With me is Davey Tesnovich. And it's a beautiful day. Mike Solosi. And it's a freezing day. <laughs> Get out of here, winter. And Peter Treisenberg. It's too early for this crap. <laughs> I, as you can tell, all of us are super happy to be here. <laughs> I am. I would be much happier to be back in bed, but this is this is fine. This is my mid-afternoon. <laughs> East Coast problems. Yeah, exactly. We are here to talk about To the Moon. To the Moon! I knew Dave oh, you would have something. <laughs> yeah, so this is part of our month of Indie Month. We played Gone Home earlier in the month. We're playing To the Moon now, and then later on is Juniper's Not. So this is going to be one condensed podcast episode where we talk about the entirety of the game. Let's just start off with, I think this is new for everybody except for Davey, correct? Yep. Yeah, this is my first time playing the game. Okay. Yeah. And Davey, you played this one and it first came out is what we were able to figure out, right? Yeah. So and the nice thing is it's been a while since it came out, so it, it's almost, for everybody out here, it's it's a new experience or it's it's been a while, I think enough that Davey didn't remember everything, right? Yeah, it was it was super fresh. I just want to delve into this. This is a this is a very different game for me. I mm-hmm. how how so? I'm curious. I think this game is really smart in how it does this. There there the website we work for is rpgfan.com. There's Really? I know, right? So <laughs> there's a certain expectation then that hey, this is going to be an RPG. I know this month's a little bit different than that. You're not going to have levels. You're not going to have grinding out and whatnot. Well, I mean, all right, okay, keep going before I comment on what games are. Right, right, yeah, I know. Or... It's just like, and I get that. I know I'm being super they, they do reductive. They parody RPG battle at one point. They do right do a parody. And battle, so I came in kind of expecting something similar to Gone Home, where there's just a story. We're going to pluck through it. There's going to be a little bit of exploration, and we're going to have that. And then we jumped into, hey, we're going to fight this squirrel. Which super threw me for a loop. <laughs> but then I almost kind of liked it because it was absurd. And I guess I think I would have rather that than how the game actually went through. I, I found the game to be plotting, I guess. It seems like one ginormous fetch quest. And that's typically like my least favorite thing about most games. I think the story is, from what I was able to decipher and what I saw or I paid attention to, like I seemed to really enjoy it. I thought the characters were well done. But it was everything in between the characterization, everything in the story that I just could not stand. I think I told you this. Bef- I told you this before the show too. Is I, I kind of thought that um, the gameplay segments were fine, but it could do without them because the main your main interaction with the game outside of dia- reading dialogue is um, um, clicking. Aside from a couple contextual mini games, is just clicking on stuff to arbitrarily unlock the next like warp point to go back into this guy's memories and then you have to solve a little slide puzzle that isn't difficult it just kind of takes time and then you progress with it and I feel like it's kind of arbitrary like we had to put this game element in there for it to be a game when the the real strength of this game I think is the story and um, the audio visual presentation because it looks great Mm -hmm like really great like kind of 16-bit sprite work and um the music is phenomenal 
but I was definitely more into it for those elements than I was to like solve the next puzzle. Yeah, this this isn't uh, I mean, this isn't a uh, a witness or a even a latent game. The the puzzles are complete are really I felt they were unnecessary, even though I don't mind color switching or sliding puzzles. Really, I mean, going back to you know, we work for RPG fan, we play RPGs. We also RPG fan also covers Zelda games basically because a lot of people on staff liked Zelda games and we've always covered them. And it also covers a lot of uh, adventure games and puzzle and sort of puzzle visual novels because sort of because the RPG fan base crosses over with the, the fan bases of those sort of games quite a bit. So it's a little bit nebulous what like exactly what kind of games RPG fan covers, but that that's a separate conversation. Yeah, and I didn't want to get and, into that conversation. It just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but sort of piggybacking onto what I said, really, To the Moon is an adventure game that's sort of disguised as a 16-bit RPG. It has, like, the framework of a 16-bit RPG because you're moving around in, you know, like, SNES, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy uh, sort of visuals. Tile-based environments. Yep, t- exactly, sure. <laughs> Tile-based environments. But really, all you're doing is getting to the next dialogue points and experiencing a story that's in an interactive format rather than a strictly linear format. Yeah, and and I, I, th- I think it's an adventure game or a visual novel and not really an RPG. I don't. Uh, there's a connotation to this, but I'm going to say it anyways. It, in a lot of ways, it's a walking simulator. Um, I hate that term. I know, okay. I do too. But it, 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 it works well. It, there's a lot of parallels to this in uh, Gone Home. Um, you're, you're given a space. You have to wander around. You have to find the next clue to be able to progress. Um, and I, I guess, to its credit, it broke the mold on making it like have the visual display that it did not being in first person. But I guess, and this is my fault, but I came in with preconceived notions of what this game would be, and I was excited for that, and what it ended up being made me feel underwhelmed. And uh, and you sort of disliked the fetch quest nature of it, and thought that it was poorly paced because of the, you know, slowly walking around looking for the next clues kind of side of it. Yeah, and so and there there. So if you haven't played the game, you're just listening to the podcast. The whole point of the game is there's a guy dying. He wants he pays for this company to have his dreams fulfilled, and to do that, you come in and you basically do an inception type event and you go back through his memories to be able to insert a memory to make it happen in real life in his mind and his, and his, really cool his dying and yeah. his dying wish is to go to the moon so you're trying to alter his memories and in a way that he remembers visiting the moon right and so the while you're going through these memories you have to start from the basically the most recent memory and work your way back to his childhood and each memory you have to find five different dots essentially that are fragments to be able to move on to the previous memory because they get enough artifacts to be able to move back. I would have been more okay, it would have been less fetchy to me instead of having collect those five. You collect those five so you can unlock the final artifact, essentially. I would have been okay with you just had to find that final artifact. Boom, you go, and mm-hmm. this would kind of solve what Peter was saying. It was like, you don't have to do the sign puzzles, which I actually had zero problem with the sign puzzles. They were fine. But it was that I felt like a lot of times it was being your head. Like, a lot of those artifacts, it's like, well, I have to go to the platypus every time. I have to go to this folded uh, rabbit every time. It's like, well, that's not really adding to the story for this memory. It's just there. And she's like, hey, remember this? Remember this? Remember this? It's going to be important possibly someday. And a lot of the time... They even even mentioned it once that 
uh, oh, wow, I should know that there's going to be a memory ball th- thing here every time I see a platypus. <laughs> right. <laughs> because that platypus doll shows up in more than half of the scenes. And a lot of times it seems like those memory fragments are there just to get you to trigger the next scene. Like you have to go to a certain place in order to get the next memory link or whatever. But yeah, and they gate, they, there's... they gate you in, in some instances where you literally can't leave a room if you don't find something. Yeah, but there's no re- there's but a lot of times there's no reason why they couldn't just have like one memory fragment that you can't get until you've seen everything. So I'm not sure if there's a a way to improve the way they structured those seg- segments, but I I didn't mind how those segments were structured. It basically it, it seems extremely arbitrary to have to go find the you know five dots that you that you need in the given space, but it also is. In, in a way pushes the player to explore the space of each scene. And I think that's not a bad idea. Basically, basically, you know, the player should be checking out every space in this, in this memory before they can proceed. So, and, and, and having to do a sort of mini fetch quest that never takes more than five or 10 minutes is, isn't such a bad way to do it. But in the, we're delving just in a game, like game design, but, why should the player have to look around? Yeah, it should be optional for sure. I, I would I would make the argument that there should be a layer of story and a layer of understanding and connection that you make with the characters if you just like streamline your way through it. But if you're willing to look around and you all of a sudden you're like, oh, there is a platypus always here, or there's a soccer ball in most of these scenes, like that's interesting that this kind of t- like went through time or like the animorph books like there is <laughs> animorph books <laughs> i loved that reference yeah and then it pissed <laughs> There's, like, me the... off that it was wrong it was i Whoa. know like i because I, I remembered reading those those books when i was a kid and i was like yeah they got that their trivia piece wrong yeah which i looked up well, and it, it makes sense eventually yeah the idea is that joey was the one that read animorphs yeah not, not johnny, johnny. Yeah. right yeah right i i, I I the only character I remember from Animorphs was Tobias, so I didn't. I and that wasn't the tri- bit of trivia that they were asking about. So I I had to. I needed the in-game context to tell me what the answer to the trivia question was. I love it. <laughs> so and this is like a perfect example where she's like, "You could have googled it." Like yeah. I, I love how self-aware <laughs> the game is. Like and, and every time there is a humor to them breaking the fourth wall, essentially. And yeah, I, I mean, that that was really well done. Even when you were I, talking I, about how that squirrel battle threw you off. Um, I thought the squirrel battle was hilarious because it was like it, it was tricking you. It's in the first twenty minutes of the game or so, but it's tricking you a little bit, saying, making the players think, "Oh, there's going to be random battles and grinding in this RPG." And then it's such a not like when the squirrel battle basically doesn't happen. It's like, psych. It was so <laughs> <There's>, smart. <laughs> there's no there's no fighting in this RPG. It'd be like picking up a battle rifle and gone home. <laughs> The best line is, um, oh, don't never cock block somebody during a Kamehameha. Yeah. Oh, yeah <laughs> that was my favorite moment. Uh, I was just going to say, I like, I pretty much, I feel like we all landed on the same place in this because, like, are, you guys were saying the gameplay feels totally arbitrary and it's not where the good of the game is. And it kind of reminds me of what we were saying about trails in the sky where like all these gameplay segments are not necessarily the best part of the game. And like, you, you feel like just playing it. Yeah. yeah you, you feel like you're going through the play paces sometimes, but like Josh said, Josh said, if it's a, uh, 
optional and it's something you go back and discover for yourself after you like know a little more and you get like a little replay value out of it or something like that's i think that enhances the experience overall instead of putting up these barriers like i tried to get my my 55 year old mom to play this game and just like she was like i'm really interested but i don't know what to do i was like that's really too bad i'm sorry yeah i I actually don't think I land in the same place in the game as everybody else. Like, I don't think I have the fi- same final opinion. I, I overall don't like the game. I uh, see, I thought I just thought the, the story in general was just so poignant. Like, I, I was totally into it by the end of it, and I can't believe it took me this long to actually play the game because I'm a uh, Mike from uh, not other Mike, uh, <laughs> a Salbato actually okay. gave me a copy when I joined RPG Fan. Um, and I hadn't played it. It's been sitting in my thing since then, <laughs> in my Steam library. So this was a good opportunity to actually like clear out, clear that out. And but I'm really glad I actually got around to playing it because I was totally invested by the end of the story. I thought it was really interesting. Which I, I'm happy to hear because for me it was it took so long to get through certain parts of it. I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. Like you as a main character, Johnny were really crappy to supposedly the, like this girl. So I don't like you. Wyatt, the doctor, I thought was an idiot. Um, and so you just like, as we delve deeper, you start looking at some of these characters and like, you turned, you seemed all right. You seemed like you wanted something and you got like a, like just a bum hand, like life dealt you wrong. And then as it kind of goes on, it's like, I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't understand what's going on with you. And at some point it's like, I don't care about any of you. And so I really like the story. It's still, it's a fascinating premise to be able, I mean, this is basically a, like they mashed up Inception with Memento, which, yeah, it's a good comparison. I mean, cause you're always moving backwards in time. You're trying to figure out where you came from. So you're never really on solid ground with that, but then you're trying to insert memories. It's, it's fascinating. Like the idea is brilliant. And I think the story, like the actual story beats when you look at it and it's like, that's a pivotal moment. Like that is, I really enjoy that. I liked what they were doing, but by the time I got to all of those, I just had zero connection to the game. I I think you not liking the characters is kind of intended. Oh, absolutely. Because like I feel like one of the things they're driving home with this game is like people are not what they seem. Like if you look into someone's past, if you figure out why they are the way they are, you can start to feel compassion. You can start to feel empathy. It's really trying to teach you about like what makes people who they are like showing is show and I, you feel like by the end of the game that you know so much about Johnny's life by having gone through like from back to front like what his experience was yeah, and um and Josh you made the uh, comparisons to Inception and Memento which are you know oddly both Christopher Nolan movies but also both apt fair comparisons the uh movie comparison that i make that's maybe a little bit more unlikely is uh 500 days of summer <laughs> which is a uh, a, a rom-com from a couple of years ago with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel in it, and the thing because the thing that I got the most out of this game was, you know, sort of uh, also on the concept of memory, how Johnny I think remembers his relationship with his wife as sort of beautiful and tra- as sort of beautiful and awesome and amazing and 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 maybe they were perfect for each other, but really when you examine their relationship from an outsider's perspective. It, it was messed up. They they were. Uh, it, it wasn't a happy marriage, especially for uh, especially for River, and th- that and and that he remembers the relationship differently from how it actually was. 
is uh, maybe even a little startling for the player that it wasn't an idyllic marriage. And going back and and I thought that like Rivers' character arc was incredibly tragic because um, she was in love with him be- and he didn't remember why she was in love with him. And I, I thought that was just so sad and beautiful. It was like that revelation as to how they met as children was I, I thought like the, the biggest part of the game that if if didn't maybe it didn't totally sell the game for me exactly, but I thought it was like the perfect cap off to how this game was about a a, a screwed up romance where the the different characters didn't view it the same way, almost like Braid in that way. It's whatever. I I thought I thought it was a great game. I I I agree. It was tedious at times with the and maybe it didn't need all of those uh all of those sliding puzzles and as such slow progression during the main story, but overall I was really happy with it and I'm glad I played it. I rambled a bit too long there. Sorry guys. Oh, that's I nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it, it's one of those things I I wish I had the exact feeling that that you have, Mike. And it's just kinda of disappointing. Like it just did not it didn't connect with me. I thought it was really artfully done with the story. Exactly the moment that you said, like she does not understand. She like, and you can tell she's trying to have him remember by always asking him, like the and, questions. And, yeah, and, th- and that's why she's building all those paper rabbits so he can so he can maybe remember how they first met, but uh, but he doesn't, and because of her condition, which I think is, I think it's high functioning aut- autism. I'm not. I, they never really t- say outright what it is, um, but like because of her condition, she isn't as able to eat to clearly or easily express to him what she's trying to say by always um, asking him the same questions and building all of those rabbits. It was, I, I, I thought R- River, like how they handled the character of River was beautiful and tragic and was maybe my favorite part of the characterization of the game. Oh, she's hands down my favorite character. I oh, love how, how subtly they handle that whole topic. Like they, like you said, they never come out and say it. That's It kind of encourages the player to kind of like, Google that author and try to figure out what's going on and learn oh, oh, more about it, it. Oh, um, dude, what is it? Is it um, is it a form of autism or Asperger's? It's yeah, it's Asperger's. Okay, yeah, and they, I, I think it's actually smart that they never say it. It's frustrating as the player because you just want to know because they're always like, oh, I know what it is. Oh, for sure, it's this now, and it's like, well, why can't you just say like two more words so I know for sure that I'm thinking the same thing? But I think it's smart because it it does. I don't know. It it adds to the kind of mystery of her as a person, and it would be kind of cheapening it by just saying, "Hey, here's the story. You don't have to figure out this or anything else. Just like here's everything you need to know." Um, and I hate when they do those like info dumps in a lot of games, and they they were smart to avoid that. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was well, super interesting, another... though. That another. Go ahead, Dewey. Sorry, I was just gonna say, in like a lot of writing from like not even that, that long ago, but like earlier in the 1900s, like mid like 1950s and 1940s you like see a lot of medical conditions just arbitrarily referred to as schizophrenia all the time and like oh, over right, time sure. the, the way we define things like changes and it can kind of date things or make them seem insensitive and retrospective yeah that's true that's mm-hmm. smart i didn't think of that um i thought it was interesting though that so johnny has his best friend that he had throughout his whole life basically um yeah nicholas wh- what are the chances of him and nicholas mar- or, like being with women that have the exact same condition yeah that was um that that really seemed 
like a plot point of convenience having Isabel around to uh, describe um, autism or or Asperger's in uh, the interesting way. Uh, in one of the segments with them as adults, she mentions that her job is being an actress, but mm-hmm. because of her condition, she had to be an actress her whole life. That was a th- th- that was a really cool bit of dialogue describing the mm-hmm. condition. I thought, and, but it was and I I mean, how- she was basically around just to make that comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because she's not and really how- in any other scenes. I did not, like not how um, they kind of have it set up so that like Isabel and River kind of have different backgrounds and like they had different. There were different moments in their lives where they became aware of their their condition and that changed how they were able to function in society. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. But that so having a friend, I can't remember her name, Isabel um, or Nicholas. Isabel, thank you. Having Isabel in it. And because it's a sci-fi story, it was actually what threw me for the loop that moved me away from thinking it was uh, something like Asperger's. It was like, hey, this is like a sci-fi story. Maybe this is something that's more pronounced throughout society. And that's where it was like the sci-fi almost bled in too much. And that's what made me second guess that it. it was like, hey, maybe this is more common than I thought. Like just for some reason, River just never got the help that she needed. So it turned into this. Um, I was like, and then I, at one point I was like, well, does Johnny have it? Is that why he's weird? Like, why is that why he can't handle things as well? And then you find out it's obviously his. It's because his brother got hit by his mom with a car. But man, which was I, I will admit, even yeah, though man, that, that, that I didn't see that Joey Johnny stuff coming. I no. just thought his mom was that sort scene of odd. hurts. Yeah, it was forecasted pretty well. No, no, it, it no. The the foreshadowing is good. It's just I Although. I didn't pick up on it because I'm because <laughs> I'm dense and I had to. I only picked up on it by reexamining it, which is how which is you know that's how the best foreshadowing happens like good foreshadowing mm. surprises you and then has you re-examine right. the earlier part of the story and get new context from it or uh new or you know get more out of it and i thought it was a it was a good twist in that regard but it is a bit of a gut mm. punch I yeah mean, oh man. it totally is yeah and so i actually I, I was just gonna say i think josh mentioned earlier the pacing of the game is a little off especially in regards to the gameplay segments but i think in terms of the because the game's not very long like i beat it in one four hour sitting and like that's pretty that's fairly sh- fairly short and like i feel like because of that the pacing of the story is really good because you don't have like it's not like a lot of games that are like even 10 20 hour games that'll have like mm-hmm foreshadowing and stuff but like it's still like if you're going to play it in multiple sittings and you're not going to have like the fact that you can brew a cup of coffee and just sit down and play this and and get the whole story and pick up on all those little clues and foreshadowing and have it all come together it's kind of like watching a long movie right yeah yeah i think a long movie is a good comparison to it Um, yeah that's exactly what i was going to say too but uh so even like i had my complaints like i was disattached from the characters like i i didn't like where the story was going when the joey scene happened i had like when eva freaks out i was like we need to get back right away that's when i had my light bulb moment i was like oh i think oh this is bad and then I, like because she was like don't you remember how the room was like and then like that's like what put it together and that whole part even though i i did not like johnny i didn't like the characters at this point that was even for me was a gut like punch like that was like wow that that's terrible. That really sucks. This is this is awful. And so, and I think that's a compliment to the writing and the story of it. That for somebody that became disenchanted with the whole game, for that to be still have a, like an emotional resonance beyond just "Hey, this is terrible. Somebody died that I never met." So I, I thought that was 
it like actually turned like I had been fully done with it, and then that happened. And I was like, you know what? This isn't this isn't bad. Like I, I th- that was what made it so I could get through the rest of the game, or want to get through right. the rest of the game. I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, uh, since you guys are all pretty big movie buffs, how you felt about the that cinematic climax because like that thing takes me for a ride. But I'm I'm not big into cinema, so I don't know if I'm just like out of my depth or whatever. I thought it was handled really well, the, especially the way the because the whole because with the whole concept being that they're going they're basically doing this on his on Johnny's deathbed and they fulfill his wish pretty much at the last possible moment. So the the way they have the scene set up so that like you kind of talk to the other characters and then you go and you're watching the rocket ship fly off and then they have River and River Rivers there because she joins NASA and the like alternate timeline they made and then they're holding hands as the um, heart monitor starts to like bleep into the background of the soundtrack. I think that's really well done. And th- then it kind of fades as the heart monitor flatlines. And I'm just like, and th- that, that, that again, that's another scene where I was just that hurt. Yeah. In, like, I was, the best possible way. I, I was really surprised how at the, at sort of the most well executed plot moments and cinematic moments in the game. Cause I didn't think that you could do that in, in a uh, RPG maker engine when they set up moments like that. It's, almost always really well done and even things like how they position the camera during scenes where the player isn't in control is uh feels very cinematic and sort of like you know well i I don't i want to describe it in a way other than well positioned but i'm 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 just not uh smart enough to i guess and it's uh it's it's a really well, I mean, working within its technological framework, it's a really well executed game that, and it, um, it adds weight to all of the biggest story moments in really smart ways. Oh, for I sure. Guess, I guess Kangao continues to deliver that on that in Bird Story, which tells a really good story without any dialogue. I, oh God, I, I've, I played Bird Story, uh, a year or two ago. I actually, oh God, I, um, I was listening to its soundtrack, editing tracks for Music of the Year 2014, and I liked the music so much that I just played the game in one sitting and just I, absolutely adored it. I, I literally bought Bird Story after I finished To the Moon. Nice. <laughs> I think I, I awesome. kind of want to. I think I might want to replay it now, actually. But it's a uh, yeah. Um, he really has a great knack for blending these um, brilliant soundtracks with these poignant game uh, story moments. And he does it in, oh, yeah. in games and not and not in short films, which makes it you know really interesting and more relevant to my interests. And the the cool thing too is Bird Story is like a prelude to um, Finding Paradise, which is going to be like the second episode, um, the continuation of To the Moon, um, another one of these type of stories where they go back into someone's memories, and it's going to be the kid from Bird Story this time, but grown up. And I thought that, I that think sounds that's, like that's, I think that's they, they've basically got endless potential for stories here. Like there's a lot of really way, interesting ways they could take this. That sounds like a game I 100 percent want to play. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in now. Like and um, the cool thing is, too, is they released a couple of free um, DLC episodes, which I played last night um, and that that take place at Sig Corp, like the headquarters of the company that the two scientists work for, Eva and Neil. And you get some, you get a little bit more backstory on them, uh, more so than you did in the, by watching their interactions into the moon. And, um, at the end, and, and a little bit of really bizarre sequel hook at the end. Okay. It's, 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 
Why don't it's, you explain that? Okay, I, so I never it's, played them. I never played these. Did, did well, you play so, the extra episodes, Davey? I didn't. Sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, it's okay. Um, but like the first one is they're they're both kind of they're both kind of poignant. Like not not in the same sense as to the moon. Like there are, there's a lot they're a little jokier and they give more background on both the characters. But at the end of episode two, it ends with um almost a glitch in the matrix type thing, where like it shows it shows Eva um like walking out of the office building and all of a sudden like the screen crackles and it shows her it like wearing one of those helmets that they use to enter people's dreams. And she's like alone in a room and then it like crackles back in and repeats the previous dialogue. And there's a couple other little references that seem to hint that like Neil, the, the male scientist is doing something like weird with the memory machines. Like he's experimenting on himself. Hmm. So, there's so there's a lot of weird, huh. really interesting stuff that's introduced in those DLC episodes that seems to hint that not all is as, as it seems. And I'm really quite interested, actually, to see if what, if anything, they're planning on doing with that. It's wow. interesting because there, there is kind of some foreshadowing with uh, some interactions with Eva and Neil about because Neil keeps talking about how Johnny is such like a miserable person like awkward like things aren't going well he keeps getting shot down for these things like neil always has these quick like one-liners like basically mm -hmm. making fun of him and then cool. every at every time eva's like well don't you see how much you two are alike so it, it's intriguing that there would be mm -hmm. he'd be using kind of his job as an opportunity to possibly make his memories better yeah and that's 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 another that's 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 what I was something I was thinking because there's also Neil is taking on um, painkillers, uh, that that becomes a plot point into the moon. It's yeah, actually the very yeah, last scene. Yeah, towards the end they even say it's uh, maybe the same condition that Johnny has. So right. if there's some kind, yeah, if there's some kind of like screwed up memory in um, Neil's past that he's tr that he's trying to forget or something, and like they show like in the in the second episode that he has a really strained relationship with his family. Like it's it, the episodes are like holiday special, so they take place on Christmas. Um, and they show him like c picking up the phone and like calling his dad, but never, but he won't speak to him. Like he like, that his dad like he calls, he has the phone open, but he isn't talking into it. He's just like listening to his dad, like asking who it is, and like scenes like that. Like it, it's really interesting. Hmm. Like, that does sound interesting. Yeah. It's worth playing. I, I think I think I, they're worth playing through. You can beat both episodes in like an hour. I never imagined him taking that setting into like a greater scope. Like that that's super freaking exciting. Uh, yeah, wow. for sure. Like I, in retrospect, I didn't even think about this as a sci-fi game because like it's got a sci-fi setting, but like it's got trees, not rivets. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's kind oh, of more I like you you're saying. natural. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. I mean, like, I mean, Inception could reasonably take place in the real world, except there's technology that let you jump into people's dreams. So it's a sci-fi movie instead of being an action movie. This this is only a sci-fi game because of the technology at hand. Otherwise, it could just be a. If we experience the game linearly, it would just be a tragic romance that had the twist happen at the beginning instead of the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any of you. Well, I know, Davey, you have not. Uh, Peter or Mike, have you guys watched Memento Forward? I, ha I, have, I, have, I haven't, I've but only, I know you can do that. Yeah, I've only seen it in the cinematic pre uh, presentation and not the chronological presentation. Okay. Yeah, it's one of those things, it's still it's still a good movie, but you lose a lot of that. And I, I, 
I don't even know where I'm going with this. Well, well, um, I think I, I think I have an idea where you're going with this. It, um, some stories really use that non-linear storytelling method really well that enhances the impact of the story, and I, th- I would agree that that is true for both Memento and To the Moon. Yeah. Um, because it, it both stories lose something if you if they were just extremely straightforward stories. There we go. But because yeah. but because neither because neither of them are they uh there's more unknowns and more, more mystery to them that results in a more satisfying payoff once you, once all of the plot cards are on the table. Yeah, so I there we go. I was trying to think of why. And so a perfect example of that is Joey dying. If you go from the uh start with that, then the whole game you'd be sympathetic to Johnny even when he's doing kind of those bad like where you're like you're kind of a sleazeball right now. It it makes it so that you're like Always in the back of your mind, I was like, well, he had a terrible childhood. Like, that's not fair to judge him like this. And I, you'd view him as a character in his relationship very differently. Yeah, and instead, the whole existence of Joey comes as a surprise. Yeah. And and that, uh, and that um, the knowledge of Johnny's memory loss and of Joey's death near, uh, near the, the beginning of his life has you re-examine Johnny's behavior and sympathize with him after the fact instead of throughout the whole story. And it's, and it's, yeah. it's effective. I, I, I really dug the presentation of this game in general like well, like peter said if there if kangao wants to move forward with more games like this starring ava and neil i mean i'll play all of them <laughs> it's to the moon was really cool and more games like this is something i'm in favor of so that being said can i express my one major story complaint only one yeah yeah all right it, it kind of sums up into this so we've already talked about how Johnny's kind of an unlikable character, right? And you guys can correct me if I'm interpreting how the technology works incorrectly. But when they change things in the past, those don't actually happen. It just happens in his memory, correct? Yeah. So yeah. Right. it's it's like they're planting memories. And that kind of sours the ending for me. I think the true main character of this is actually River, not Johnny. And okay. with that, you view Johnny as their interactions with, with what he can remember as being very selfish. And ultimately at the end, it's still extremely tragic because, and again, it's him oh, being it's... selfish because he wants to have that perfect ending, but he wasn't willing to do anything or be involved for any of it. And so river still tragically is like forgotten. It's, uh, well, it's definitely tragic. No, I, I would agree that river's story is still tragic. And I think that's kind of the point too, is that in real life, you're kind of seeing the i the in John, Johnny's dying memory is going to be just like just that it's the ideal what could have been, and even if they've convinced him in his last moments that it was real, like it wasn't real, and their real life was this tragic sad story, but that's I, kind of the, the point, and that's where you uh... that's where you get into the ethical the, like and actually this is another thing they talk about in the in the DLC episodes. There's actually people protesting what they do outside of their building and um it raises the ethical dilemmas of what you're of convincing someone that they lived a different life yeah i, I don't but the whole thing it's kind of a, it's kind of just like a, a compact metaphor for dying without regrets like that's what they're providing a service for people at a cost like hey buy this and you can die without any regrets yeah but i just i feel like it takes away some of the meaningfulness of the end so Obviously, technology does not work this way, but imagine if the ending was that 
River and uh, Johnny actually made up and they had this beautiful life together and this successful marriage and whatnot. And so it just, it's a sham to everybody outside of that machine. And I think for me then viewing it as an outsider, it's a sham to me because it's not real. Yeah, I mean, Josh, I don't disagree with you that uh, Johnny's um, ultimate mo- uh, motivation for this is selfishness and that it's you know, having it be this beautiful ending in his dream doesn't mean that anything's changed outside the dream. I, I basically, basically agree with you there, but I don't, I, I didn't have, I guess, as much of a problem with it as you did because, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, River's a tragic character in that Johnny was in love with her, but ultimately never understood her. So it was an unhappy marriage for River at, at least. And, um, I, I, in a way, I think her tragic marriage still existing, but him understanding her and having a happy marriage in his dream is, is, is in a way okay. Because, uh, just because at, at least, at least at the end, he was finally able to understand her in a, in a way. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, look, if you, it, if you want a happy ending and want uh and and resent that the tragedy of their of the story still exists and isn't really fixed in the story then i then i mean that, that that's not how that's just not how you enjoy this game i guess i mean i i'm i'm stumbling over my words now but i oh. i didn't have the same issues with the ending as you did josh i guess it, it, i think it was definitely meant to be melancholic and really deep-seated negative like it's it's all worthless in the end but like it, like it kind of makes you examine like what's really important in the end and for from johnny's perspective like he got what he needed like yeah that's it i mean honestly i i just i i think if you don't leave this game with like those really conflicted feelings you aren't like examining like what it it kind of makes you like examine how you're going to feel on your deathbed. Like what are the things you're going to regret and wish for? And it, it kind of makes you re-examine your life in that way. And I feel like that's kind of a deeper seated meaning, something you can take away with this game in the same way that the way they tell the story backwards, like that's what it's like when you meet people, like you meet someone and you don't know why they're the crappy person they are. But like, if you were to give them the benefit of the doubt and learn their perspective, you might figure out the kind of person that's underneath. So good messages. So, are we supposed to view Johnny then as a flawed hero? Uh, I wouldn't even call him a hero. What would you call him? He's just a main character. <laughs> He's just, just a, a flawed character. Flawed protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the other thing is, and this is where I just I view him overwhelmingly as just a very very selfish person. I view how he treated River when she was younger as selfish. I view their whole relationship. I view the ending as like the ultimate. The ultimate act of selfishness, because he just wants to whitewash everything. I, I well, I'm I'm a little bit more sympathetic to him than you are, I guess, because yeah. he he is selfish, but um, ultimately he was in love with River and he wanted to understand her, but he couldn't. Mm. And part and part of why he, he had so much trouble was because of her condition; she couldn't express herself well. And he had this thing with those uh with the beta blockers messing with his, his memory. So he was selfish, and he was in a way cruel to river but it what it wasn't totally his choice it, it wasn't all his fault that he was like that and, and that makes him and a little an, more sympathetic 
as I'm thinking it over too, he mentions when you first talk to Johnny, like in the in his like initial memory state, and you're asking him what his final wish is, and he says he wants to go to the moon. He doesn't remember why he wants to go to the moon. He just right, does, yeah. and the the reason he doesn't remember is because of the beta blockers, his repressed memories, and the fact that and the fact that that had to do with River, his actual first meeting with River. So his his love of River, his relationship with River. And his desire to go to the moon are intrinsically linked. So the fact that they did, in a way, get that happy ending by going to the moon is sort of the ideal of if Johnny had been a different person, if he had been a better person, if he had remembered that, if things hadn't gone the way they did, they might have been able to accomplish that together. But Johnny, the person we meet, doesn't remember all that. He's missing those crucial memories that made him who he is. And... I would agree with what you're saying, Peter, that if you remember those, that it would be this great love story. And that's kind of what you get with that the ending. But I would disagree with you, Mike, that he's not in love with River. He's in love with the concept of River. And I think that's the conversation you have at high, in high school or school or whatever, they, whatever grade they were in, when he's talking about how she's shy and she's unique because she's different. I don't and, and, think he cares about and, her as an individual. I think she he and they cares talk, about her about. But they talk about that in the game too. How that's a problem for their. That's the basis for their relationship. Then they're doomed. I, I, right. I yes, but I also th- I mean in a way I disagree. I think he was always in love with River like, like ever since he was a kid, and meeting her again in high school like had him unconsciously like awake to these um feelings to these repressed feelings that he had for her, yeah. maybe i and then you rationalize I, it yeah exactly and so i um I, I don't think we're gonna come to an agreement on this but i I think he was always in love with her but didn't always understand why he was in love with her and acted selfishly and in part because of his of his memory being messed up I'm. I guess I, maybe I'm less down on um, Johnny than you are. Th- <laughs> um, I am too. And the one thing that I th- I feel like we've kind of skimmed over is like the idea of my wife choosing to die to for anything else, like for something material. Like that would that would destroy me. That would be like an infinitely unbearable amount of baggage to carry with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, that was screwed up. But I can also see why she want that instead she was still trying to communicate that that memory to him yeah yeah and i again i'm sorry davy but it 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 harkens back to memento where the main character doesn't believe that the guide can't remember her like remember certain events so she ends up having sorry spoilers for memento she tests it to the point that he literally (laughs) kills her and and in a certain regard there's a lot of parallels to that with this that she is she is pushing him to her actual maximum that she can to the point that she does die because she desperately wants him to remember. And I, I don't know. That's I, I could connect with river so much easier, which is ironic because they make it so that she's so hard to connect to. Yeah. Her part of her psychological condition is literally that she has difficulty connecting to others. Right. And <laughs> the entire time, like I felt awful for her. I, I absolutely sympathize with her. I just well, I mean, I mean, by the middle of the game, I sympathized with her. At the very beginning, I thought that she was, you know, maybe slightly disturbed or had a mental illness and didn't really get what was happening. But once I figured yeah. out everything, it it made me, it swayed all of my sympathies with her and Johnny. When at, when at, at first I, I was less sympathetic with it. They do such 
such a good job building up that mystique around her when you don't even know what the game is about. You're like, what does this mean? And it could like be literally anything at that point. Like you this can't game even about guess. space or lighthouses. Right. <laughs> What's with all, all the origami them? rabbits? Yeah. What is and so the, important the creepy about this music, Like everything. Yeah. Did, did any of you read the web comic? There's a web comic. <laughs> yeah, he made he made a web comic that is about after it's it's in the dream after uh, Johnny and River go to the moon. The platypus and the ra- and the paper rabbit try to go to the moon to follow them. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, it's really funny. That is really funny. Yeah, and uh, what a funny guy. Going back to kind of what Mike said, we're we're just not going to come to an agreement. I I think beyond any of my personal like feelings about this game, I think that truly shows at the very least story-wise how great of a game it is that it oh, can yeah. build a conversation like this have a discussion um handle a piece of kind of storyline that it's so dark at its core throw in humor so that it is funny that we can be laughing about certain situations where it's like overall this is terrible um and then evoke actual feelings in us um so i, I like i said i i'm not i'm not gung-ho about the game but I, I think what is there is brilliant and if nothing else it's something that as a listener you deserve to experience because there there is very few games that are capable of doing that yeah crickets there we go wow all right yeah the number Sorry one thing that. i forgot about this game the number one thing i forgot about to the moon is how funny it is like I, oh, yeah. I was laughing at the same jokes. Yeah, I forgot. Like it, it's, it was a good chuckle fest. Neil, Neil and Eva have a really good rapport with each other. Like, yep. I, I can easily see them like a mini series about them. And like then, just yeah, going off on adventures. I, I'm in tr- like they're actually two of my favorite parts of the whole game. Is they're kind of back and forth and seeing how they figured things out. So the fact that there are mini episodes and they're centered kind of around them or mainly around them makes me want to play those and then if they were characters in the next game that he's working on i would for sure be in because i did like their back and forth yeah i'm I'm really interested in playing those dlc episodes now they were uh neil and ava never really took over the story it was always sort of about johnny's life but they having them as passengers and sort of uh and sort of stand-ins for the player just observing this uh was a was a smart way to handle it and I mean, going back to what Davey said, it, it helped a lot that uh, that Neil was really funny, and the game's jokes uh, hit well. Hit well because these are funny characters doing funny things. Like when um, when Neil is tr- is having a long uh, bar conversation with Johnny, and uh, and is just is eating jar after jar of pickled olives with, and Eva refuses to turn off the taste <laughs> simulators. Was just, I mean, it was it was a little bit. It was kind of a Bugs Bunny cartoon, but it was but it was hilarious. It was it was yeah. a great moment. And this game balances the tragedy and the comedy really smartly, even though it's ultimately sort of a, a, a melancholy game. It's uh, almost all of its notes hit for me, and I thought the writing was strong in general. I think that mix is what gives it such a movie vibe too. Hmm. I think that's fair. Absolutely. A couple of cool. typos, notwithstanding. 
Which you you get, which you get that I'm not like I'm I'm not going to be the English major who docks points because of tight grammatical errors, but a couple near the beginning made me chuckle a bit. Yeah, yeah, the the and I I noticed those at the beginning. I'm not. Do they keep having those throughout the game? Because I only noticed them at the beginning. I didn't see them. I didn't seem to notice them as it went on. I if 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 there were, I did. I either was too invested and didn't notice, or they just weren't there. Yeah. It, they it just seemed like. At the beginning, they forgot to proofread a sentence or something. Oh, anybody have any cl- other closing thoughts they kind of want to have for the game? I'm really excited for Finding Paradise now. Also, I think this marks the yeah. first time I've played a game on my Steam account in, in like a year because I hardly ever touch. I hardly ever touch Steam. <laughs> right. I, I, um, my, I, I, my, my laptop's kind of a piece. It's, it's, it works fine, but it's not really great for gaming. <laughs> I, th- so. I think, uh, I think the OSTs, uh, all of Kangao's games are free on his Bandcamp, so everyone should go listen to those. Well, they're maybe um, they'll motivate you. I got the story. They're, they're not free. I, th- I think they might even be pay what you want, but they're, uh, they're oh. reasonably, yeah, they're reasonably priced, and I, they're, I encourage uh, listeners to check out the the OSTs for To the Moon and for Bird Story. Because um, yep, the, mu- the music is really gorgeous in both of those games, and uh, all, I mean, I guess my final thoughts on this game was uh, it's a sort of like a sh- a sad short story that you play like in a 16-bit RPG, even though it's it's basically a visual novel. And if any of that sounds good to you, I urge you to play it, even though we've spoiled all of it. <laughs> so. So, oh, I know what I wanted to say. I was really worried that after not playing this game for so many years, that it was not going to be as great as I remembered. And like playing this game was like kind of the start to my falling back in love with fiction. And like I started reading a lot more. I got into a lot of more visual novels and different forms of storytelling and stuff. And like I was really worried after all that. I'd come back to To the Moon and be really disappointed in the story. But man, I still feel like this writing is there. Like the just the irony and the the torment and the melancholy it's so powerful it was like reading a really good book that had a an unusual narrative device around it in this case the nonlinear story and then it had just a beautiful soundtrack to accompany it it's it it it, it, it's it's it feels so unique and so effective i i just loved this i really did yeah i i think um, after I finished it, I kind of think that if you're the kind of person who's interested in narrative in video games, then To the Moon is definitely something you should experience. And it's only like eight bucks and four hours, so what are you doing, really? Come on. Don't be like Josh. Actually play and try to enjoy this game. Wow. <laughs> Don't well, be like I'm Josh. I'm pretty sure he played it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he's more, he's just upset that I'm dead inside, so I can have feelings well um no no i'm i'm, I'm sure you are not dead all. inside but but you also but you didn't finish the game and you didn't like the game and i think if you had finished it you maybe you would change your tune a bit i don't think so oh, okay okay <laughs> and also i mean you're living with a baby now so you probably aren't getting enough sleep i love Just, that's always the excuse i'm able to pull out hey well, you're, baby you're you're gonna have that excuse for at least another another year or so yeah, so I hope <laughs> I was actually playing. Oh, okay. So I was trying right. to furiously finish it this morning, and in one arm holding a baby, the other arm I was holding my 360 controller, pressing X furiously, trying to get through the dialogue options. 
It's <laughs> like, come on. That's a great. That's a great image. Yeah. Actually. I actually played this game with a mouse, and uh, the pathfinding wasn't great, but it, it was. It's played surprisingly okay with uh, only mouse clicks. Uh, they did. Yeah. Uh, they did something interesting with the 360 controller. The default controls were uh, X and B. Which usually it's X and A for everything for like that type of stuff, and B would be out. But they did X and A as if it was uh, left and right click mouse, oh, which I thought was interesting. What does right click even do in this game? It opens, it opens the, the menu. Yeah. Oh, okay, sure. I, I would always just hit Escape for the menu. Yeah, you can theoretically play the whole, play most of the game with just the mouse, aside from a couple of those contextual like the horse riding bit. Mm-hmm. Of which, yep. if, oh, I <laughs> I should have realized equine therapy is a treatment for Asperger's. I should. Oh, that's what they were doing. I just re- realized that. Yeah, they mentioned it too. <laughs> oh, they do. <laughs> blew right. your mind. Not, light bulb. No, it, did, it didn't. It didn't blow my. It didn't blow my mind. I just. I just it never gonna... realized that was the specific condition until until I guess I just made that connection. I, it, I was playing the game. I guess half asleep, going, "Oh, okay, they're riding horses now. That's that's nice. The horse moves we're faster talk than about... walking." minor little gripes with to the moon that the, the when you're trying to to collect all the memory links and then open the last the last like little gate at the end of that section the, the spacing on that is so precise like you have to be in like just the right position to be able to click on it so i spent like another five minutes like running around being like what am i missing until i realized that you just have to be like positioned like just so on the horse because you can't get off the horse you just have to you just have to wing it yeah, I was for a minute. I was curious if the horse was going to travel with me back uh, into Neil, into Neil, not Neil's, into Johnny's teenage years. <laughs> it should have never, never <laughs> happened. That'd been fantastic. I think that's going to do it for us talking about to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> to the moon. Um, as we kind of started the podcast, we have one more game this month that we're playing. It's going to be Juniper's Knot. Everybody yeah. should give it a try because it is free. You can't really complain about free. And I've heard Davey talk about this game multiple times, so it better actually be good. <laughs> well, uh, well with z- at, for zero dollars, the price is right. <laughs> that is true. And then, as we mentioned last podcast, yeah. in March, we are going to be playing through Nier. So, Yay! I'm intrigued by that. I've heard widely different opinions about it. Um, it's, it's, it's so fascinating. <laughs> So, and I, I thought that, it was a lot think, of fun. I think Nier was poorly received by the mainstream press, but a lot of people in RPG circles really love it. So it's yeah, um, that's fair. Um, it's maybe a little polarizing, but yeah, it should be interesting to listen to the Retro Encounter crew play through it. Yeah, it, the poor, uh, the polarizing part of the game. Say that ten times fast. Um, is actually what makes me excited. I think there'll be some really good dialogue surrounding it. So. Oh, for sure. So you guys will have to check back next month for that, but please check back even closer than that to listen to Juniper's Not. In the meantime, you can send in any of your thoughts to retroatrpgfan.com. You can jump on our boards at rpgfan.com and go to the forums and go to the boards and say what you want, and we'll try to listen, or we'll say hateful things back to you instead. And then, as always, you can go to iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast, please put in good reviews, good comments. That really helps the podcast get seen by other places. But yeah, that's going to do it for us at Retro Encounter. Thank you for listening. Good night, everybody. Goodbye. Oh, bye. <laughs> was that, was it, that, that sounded like the welcome to Nightville goodbye. You can't use that. <laughs>
<laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, Retro Encounter.